My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Bashi here. Today we have a super exciting guest, Ernie Veritimos. Believe I said his last name right. right. <laughs> he's a, awesome. He's a trading coach that helps traders become profitable, independent, and trade at a pro level. He is also the host of the Zero Days to Expiration podcast. Welcome to the show, Ernie. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Basha. Glad to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. We're going to have some great conversation. We'll cover what's working, your podcast, your challenges, and your goals. And I'm sure within that conversation alone, we'll have some great takeaways. Before we jump in, do you mind telling us a bit about your story and where you are today? Oh, boy. Uh, that could be a very long story. Uh, so I'll try to give you a condensed <laughs> version because uh, I'm, I'm uh, getting on in age. I'm 62 years old, and uh, I've been in the industry for 40, almost 45 years. Uh, I started out uh, working for Raytheon uh, Research Division, designing, infer well, it's kind of weird, designing uh, laser-based um, inertial guidance systems for nuclear missiles, uh, and uh, also um, the cones for heat-seeking missiles. Uh, so I, I literally started my career as a rocket scientist. <laughs> Pretty uh, cool. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I had a very long, uh, varied career as a business owner and consultant. Um, along the way, I started getting involved when the internet came along, uh, getting involved in uh, fintech, financial technologies. I worked for Fidelity. I helped them put their first online brokerage online. Uh, after I left Fidelity, I became uh, chief architect for Sun Microsystems. Uh, Sun Microsystems doesn't exist anymore, but at the time it was bought by Oracle. It, it's, it was a, a Fortune 50 company, so it was pretty pretty high up there. And um, my team, uh, this was during the dot-com era, uh, my team literally built out Wall Street. We were the primary supplier of all the, uh, the big computers and systems and technology for all the banks and investment houses and uh, even the exchanges. Uh, and so that's where I developed my my interest in finance and uh, financial systems. Um, after the dot-com bubble burst, and um, I had uh, several million dollars in, in uh, options that were going to be vested, and then they all just blew up, gone, in uh, like two weeks. I was literally three weeks away from, from collecting about $5 million, and then it went away. Yeah, it just uh, disappeared. I became a little disillusioned and decided to go on my own kind of uh, uh, redemption journey and left Sun and became, uh, I guess, what you would call an international technology management consultant. So I went around the world helping other uh, fintech companies with their process and business goals. Uh, along that way, along the way, I also started a hedge fund uh, and uh, became an institutional trader. Started trading, you know, other people's money for for a while. Um, and then my, uh, my dad got sick, uh, this was back around 2011 and he was my mom's full-time caregiver. So I had to actually leave, uh, the business and take care of them. 
And um, so I, I needed to do something online. So I, I started to create businesses online. I started to blog and uh, get on YouTube uh, and, uh, and develop a presence. And so that was going very well for quite some time until about 2018 when my, uh, my uh, identity was stolen. And uh, whoever stole my identity seemed to have it in for me. I think uh, it was had a lot to do with my my criticism of of the uh, crypto industry at the time. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm just I'm just speculating. Uh, but um, they wiped me out. Basically, they uh, they wiped out all my internet properties uh, that I had built up for years, and uh, all my money, PayPal, everything. Uh, so I was like destitute, flat broke. Uh, well, not flat broke, but no no way to produce income. And, uh, you know, had children and house and lots of big expenses. So I picked myself up and started uh, more business. I, I started to um, uh, do podcasting at that time, as well as it was kind of a combination of the YouTube live streams and podcasting. I did both. What I was trying to do is uh, develop many different avenues for, you know, to cast a wide net to bring people into my fray so that I could build up another business. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was, I was successful at that. I, I built up the current business and um, I'm here now. That is quite a journey. My gosh. Started off from rocket that was, scientists. That was the really short version. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So Tell me a little bit more about the turning point where you decided, okay, you know what? This is the business that I'm going to start. This is exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to help other traders become profitable, independent, and trade at a pro level. Okay. Well, that that requires uh, a lot more filling in to the, <laughs> the long the short story. Uh, but let's just say that um, where I, I made my epiphany, it wasn't on my own. Uh, it, I... I met somebody online while I was when I had first started my YouTube channel and he became a mentor to me and he was very successful. He had made, you know, close to a hundred million dollars in, in the financial area. And uh, we, we became good friends online and he'd live, he lives in Hawaii. And for almost eight years, we talked back and forth on Skype um, every day and uh, we became good friends. And he taught me a lot about what it actually takes uh, to be, pro and and what that means the interesting thing is that it took me probably five or six years before i got it you know because i had my own ideas i mean i'd been very successful and doing a lot of things and i thought i knew you know way more than i did um or it was kind of it's kind of an illusion of you know what you think you know until you start gaining enough experience and you realize how little you actually know uh and and then a lot of the things that he was telling me kind of resonated you know uh, you know, things like, um, capital preservation first, profit second. And that, that, that sounds kind of, kind of counterintuitive to a trader, right? I mean, what do you mean? You put profits off first. You just want to keep your money. I said, yeah, well, if you don't keep your money, you can't make any money. Right. And, uh, the money that, um, that you make or that is unrealized. In other words, if you have a trade out there and you have some profit, um, you have to find a way to keep what you've got out there and then bring it in and then put it back into your, into your coffers. Otherwise, right. you know, it, if it goes away, then what good is the effort? So, I mean, that was a, a really big piece of advice. And uh, then he also taught me the, um, uh, the principles of asymmetry. 
And what that really means is uh, taking very, very small risk for very large potential returns. And, um, you know, the reason why you would do that, and a lot of people don't understand it, this is also kind of counterintuitive to most retail traders, because most retail traders are after the real high probability trade. They want really high win rates. They love it if you told them, yeah, this wins 95% of the time. And so they believe that by winning 95% of the time, they're actually going to make money. What they don't know is that that 5% of the time, they're risking a huge amount. And one loss can wipe out months of wins. And, mm -hmm. and not only that, but while they're in this quest for this high probability stuff, it's also very high risk and, and um, high anxiety. So it brings people through this roller coaster of emotions. Now, a pro goes exactly the opposite way. They, we don't go for high probability, high win rate. In fact, we go for low win rate, but we go for the long-term return. And, uh, the, and the way we stay in the game, remember I said capital preservation first? The way you stay in the game is you bet really, really small, but you only bet it on things that have a potential for very large outcomes. Now, you may not win very often, but when you do, your account goes up. When you lose, your account doesn't really go down. It just sort of stays, you know, it may go a little down, but sideways. They have a lot of small losses, a lot of small wins, and you, you stay in the game waiting for your opportunity. And here's, here's like uh, the thing that I really learned was that a lot of people think that they can tell which way the market's going to go. And they learn technical analysis and they think that they can tell whether the market's going to go up or go down. Uh, but they find that, that it's, it's extremely difficult. The, the reality is that no one really knows where the market's going to go. And so your attempts to try to put on trades or strategies that are trying to direct towards an outcome uh, largely fail because you're putting all your effort into that. And at best, you're probably going to end up 50-50. So what you have to do is you have to put on strategies that don't matter if you're right or wrong. So it's kind of like this. It's, I guess I'd use the analogy of a, uh, a fisherman, you know, an old time fisherman that uses a net, you know, to cast it out uh, over the water. And um, they spend a lot of time crafting their net and the weighting and then their technique of throwing it out there. And they know that when they throw it out into the water, there's a chance that they may not get anything, but there's also a chance they might get something or or a whole bunch of something, and they want to perfect their technique to bring that in. And that trading like that is a lot like that. You don't know when you're going to uh, catch that big haul, uh, but you want to be able to be skilled and have a good strategy to bring it in. And because you don't know when you're going to get it, you don't want to put a lot at risk. Because if you keep on putting on big bets and you come up empty, Pretty soon you're going to run out of money and you're not going to have that first principle that I told you, capital preservation first. That keeps you with skin in the game, as they say. You need to always have skin in the game and then take your shots and make sure each shot has the potential for a big win. You don't know when it's going to come, but be prepared when it does. So that, mm -hmm. those are the things that I learned uh, from, from my mentor. I actually had a couple of mentors that had very, very similar, uh, helped me in a very similar way. Uh, and and those are the things that I help traders with. Show them the you know the difference between the way a pro thinks and the way a retailer thinks. 
So that's that's uh, generally it. And there's there's one other thing that uh, that's kind of interesting, and that is that uh, most retail traders are are uh, not aware that um, they are also being scammed by the brokers, all the brokers out there that uh, supply them with the ability to trade, because the broker the, the broker doesn't care at all whether or not a retail trader makes any money. As a matter of fact, it'd be you know, it really doesn't matter if they lose or win or whatever. All they really care about is that they push buttons. And the reason why they care about pushing buttons is because the only way the broker makes money is with commissions. And every time you push the button and make a trade, they make a commission. Mm -hmm. So all of the education and um, resources that have been perpetuated from day one, like since the day I helped Fidelity back in the mid-90s become an internet broker, uh, their main goal has been to figure out or perpetuate uh, education and resources and everything that um, would train traders to be the best possible customer for the broker. So, so what what kind of education is going to make them click the most buttons? That is insane. And it, it happens to this day. Uh, and, so, uh, so how are traders supposed to? I guess work around that or work through that. What are you, what are your tips for traders that now have this knowledge? Like, okay, the brokers are scamming me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you you well, all the people that are winning, the traders that are winning, guess where they work? Where? Or the broker. Of course. <laughs> so they have a specific way of trading. Like I said, uh, I was telling you earlier that um the way the retail trader trades and the way the professional trader is almost diametrically opposed to one another. So the retail trader goes for the high probability strategy, which is um, really a, a long-term loser. And then the pro trader takes the asymmetric route and trades only certain types of things that they know has an edge for them. And um, they have a long-term positive expectancy. So they're they're diametrically opposed. One one is uh, constant, and you know the retail trader will come back over and over and over because they're they're often um, you know hooked by these um, uh, kind of scammy services that are out there. And yes. we were talking about that a little earlier. <laughs> uh, I mean that's 95 percent of the services that are out there are are just scams. Uh, they. They show you the lifestyle, you know, the the crib, the cars, the women, or whatever, right? And uh, that's all a, it's all a facade. I mean, none of that is real. But they're attracted to that. Everyone's attracted to uh, short term, get rich quick. Yeah, yeah. As if um, trading for some weird reason doesn't follow any of the principles that every other high performance vocation or job does, right? That it takes time and training and experience and practice over and over. You got to put in your 10,000 hours, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, why shouldn't trading be that? Well, I mean, it's just amazing you know, that people can be duped that way. But the uh, the broker industry has, has uh, really done a very good job at uh, convincing everybody because you know virtually every book every piece of training that's out there uh is a is a derivative of what the broker pushes down down the path so where do you come in in this scenario how are you filling the gap 
Yeah, it, it's uh, it's interesting because it's hard to convince people because I, I'm totally outclassed by the marketing muscle of of all the scammers. So and and plus, what I'm offering, or the method that I'm offering, seems counterintuitive to most people. Mm -hmm. But there are so many people out there that have been beaten up so much, or they're new into the industry and they don't have any real experience yet. Those are my two primary, my best customers, either the person that's been totally beaten up or has traded for 30 years and never made any money, uh, or the person that's coming in brand new and just wants to start the right way. They just happen to come across my stuff before they got, um, I guess, uh, uh, hyped up by, by the other messages. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I just show them and and basically it's the same story that I just told you. I show the difference between these two things. The people who have been trading for a long time identify exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, I I basically describe their entire career that it's either a huge roller coaster up and down, always looking for, you know, the the next indicator or the next strategy or the next guru and never really finding it, never really settling on anything, or they just go straight down. And then they find a way after they've been kicked out of the business, find a way to, you know, save up a little bit more money and try the next thing, you know? So, right. uh, and, and they're, they're, um, you know, it's, it's hard to explain why people keep on going after something like that. Everyone wants to follow their dream and, and, and achieve their dream. And when people dangle it out there, like, hey, I've got your dream right here. It's an easy, it's an easy sell a lot of times. It's hard people, to resist. It really is. You're telling uh, me that in a couple of weeks, I could have a Lambo and get all the girls and I could have a nice <laughs> high rise apartment. Sign me up, man. You know, it's, yeah. it's very easy to fall into stuff like that. I mean, it, I think that the more that you expose yourself to those kinds of things and those kinds of scams and those kinds of programs, the easier it is to spot if something is a scam or not. But for somebody who's completely new, how are they supposed to know? Well, it, it's not just the new people. It's people that have been, like I said, trading for 20, 30, even 40 years that have been duped this entire time. And they've never found a way to get over that. And and they, you know, and smart people too. They, they know. That's the other thing that it doesn't really take super smart in order to succeed at this all it takes is a um a drive and a determination and be consistent and um develop a very solid process really is what it comes down to absolutely so how yeah. long ago did you start the the trading coaching business well i've been i've been coaching for quite some time uh, and this goes all the way back to the 90s when i was um working at sun when i was at sun as chief architect, uh, I was kind of like the trusted advisor to a lot of our tier one clients. And I mean, these are big, big clients, um, you know, fortune five companies like a GE or, you know, I mean, big. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was the guy that would go in and um, advise the C-level folk, the CEOs, CFOs, and others about their purchasing decisions and find out what their their ultimate need was, you know, whether it was what, you know, both personal and and uh, for the company. And uh, so I, I played that role. I was kind of like the front person for for sales because I was the guy that uh, could actually talk to a lot of these people. The sales guys didn't really understand their needs and didn't understand the technology, but I had that ability. Um, 
So uh, let me follow, follow up with that question. I, I lost track. And where was I going? <laughs> <laughs> so I was asking, I guess, I guess the, que- the main question that I'm trying to ask you is, when did you start your business? And what do you know now that you wish that you knew back then? Yeah. So that's, that's why I can go through this long road because I've been through so much. <laughs> it's, uh, I know. But I, I, you know, I, I developed this affinity uh, to coaching people. And so I did a lot of business coaching, uh, technology coaching. Uh, when I started to, uh, when I started my, uh, my hedge fund and uh, the uh, institutional trading and then a blog and, a, and a, uh, a podcast, I would get a lot of people that would ask me for help. And uh, that turned into coaching. Um, mm-hmm. it's just sort of happenstance at first because people were looking for direction. They see somebody that actually knows the industry and knows what they're talking about. And they, they literally asked, Hey, can you coach me? And I didn't think of it, you know, although yeah. I had, I already had the experience uh, from a different um, industry. Uh, but, but I certainly understood, you know, what it took to get the best performance out of people. And so that's how it really started just a little bit at a time. And then just builds and builds and builds. And then I got a, got this opportunity to start this uh, business here, zero DTE. Uh, zero days to expiration. And I decided that that was what this is going to be focused on. I was going to help people, uh, you know, strip them away as many as I possibly could (laughs) and can uh, from the retail world and and show them how to actually become a professional. Now, that doesn't mean that they have to go to work for, uh, you know, an investment firm or anything. Just means that they can they can uh, act and perform just like a professional. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's already beneficial. They don't have to go and work for a big firm or anything like that. No, no. So, what are some of the biggest challenges that you're facing within the business right now? Well, uh, the biggest problem for me <clears throat> is um, getting enough time to do everything that I need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because uh, when you first start a business like that, you're all on your own. You're doing everything. You're doing the marketing. You're doing the technology. You're doing the development of the program. You're trying out different things. You just have no time for anything. And it took me almost um, a year and a half, a year and three quarters before uh, I got to a point where the number of people that were coming in were just so overwhelming that I couldn't figure out how to develop new systems in order to uh, keep things going. So I, I, made my first two hires. First, I hired somebody, um, a a gentleman out of the UK to help me out with my video production and Mm -hmm. uh, repurposing my uh, my podcasts and YouTubes so that they could be um, put into the long form, put into short form. And the podcast could then be regenerated into like shorts or or like uh, slightly longer than shorts. Because I, there was the content that I was putting out was mostly long form. And so there was a lot of information within say a half hour or an hour of conversation. And sometimes it was rambling, you know, cause I, I was just going <laughs> yeah. and, and, and what I wanted him to do is then pick out like solid pieces of information in there that were condensed and then just package them up into short form videos and other types of uh, uh, content and then get them out there. And that really helped a lot because now I was spreading it out to different medium and more people w- would see it and they would, uh, I, that's more people would come in. That, that caused a problem though. The problem was that 
more people were coming in. And you would think, it's a oh, good problem. <laughs> a good problem. If you can't serve them, though, if you serve them, if you have a lot of people coming in and you can't uh, provide a quality service, you might as well not do it because then you're going to look kind of like a, a bum. And so I hired uh, Pauline, and Pauline is my uh, sort of my left left hand, right hand, both hands actually, and she handles all the um, the back office stuff and the email and um, the keeping in touch with the customers and coddling them through and making sure that all their problems are solved and that sort of thing. And so now I can just focus on the business and the co the major content and the programs that we create. Mm -hmm. So uh, the the other uh, big issues that I've had is um, is the marketing, uh, both the, uh, I, I don't know, there's digital marketing, and then there's this sort of, um, I don't know, uh, experience marketing. Um, and that costs a lot of money. And at first, I felt that I had to develop my, my SEO, my search engine optimization, and uh, increase my, uh, my visibility on Google searches and also on YouTube mm -hmm. and on the podcasting as well. So I needed a way that I could, uh, you know, amp, amp me up so that uh, when people did a search, they would find me. And so I hired an agency, a very well-known agency, and I figured I'm going to get the best, right? Or what I perceive as the best at that time. And uh, normally they only uh, went with people that were much bigger than me, like a 10 million and up. And so, um, but I convinced them to do it. And because I felt like if they were the best, they would be able to um, do what I needed to be done and not have any hiccups. Cause I figured, hey, they're gonna be professionals right on the ball. And it cost me a crap load of money. I mean, I, I spent about a hundred thousand dollars in a year on, on that. Oh, wow. And um, it, it, was, uh, it was tough. Now they did a lot of good stuff, but the value that I, uh, I didn't get the value for that money, I didn't believe. And they and I think that they dropped the ball mostly because I was small. I, I think it was a mismatched uh, customer to, you know, service provider type mm. of thing. And, uh, but I was thinking that, hey, if I pay them the money, they're going to do the job. And uh, that didn't really you work out. Think. <laughs> they put me on, I think, on a lower totem pole. I mean, they changed um, engagement managers with me in the middle of the thing. In, in the middle of the uh, engagement, uh, they um, they actually made a lot of mistakes. Uh, were behind the behind the gun. They they did some deployments to my my website that literally took the website down. And I thought, how can this possibly be? You know, me coming from Sun Microsystems as a chief architect, and I've built the biggest websites in the world. I'm I know what it takes to build a, a website, and I know that if you're a professional organization, what what you need to do in order to um, make sure that everything goes smoothly, right? And mm -hmm. they broke all the rules and I, I couldn't believe it. It was just beyond me. Now, and, and I'm stuck here because I put all of this money into it. I'm paying them like $10,000 a month. I've, I'm trying to bring in revenue on top of that, pay all my own bills and, and keep the business growing. Right. So I finally, I, I just, uh, I had enough. I, I uh, fired them. And uh, they were very nice, by the way. I mean, I, I don't want to say that they were like bad people or anything. I mean, they were very well-intentioned. Yeah. But I think that they just gave me the bottom of the barrel of their people, quite frankly. 
So uh, that was that was a very difficult experience. And plus, at the same time, I was also purchasing Google Ads. I, was, I probably spent another twenty five, thirty thousand dollars that year on just Google Ads, you know, and I didn't know what I was Good doing. Lord. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, you know, I, I just I don't hurt you. I just spent the money. I didn't know whether or not that was going to actually bring in customers. Now I was continuing to grow. So I was thinking, well, I must be doing something right. <laughs> you know, maybe it's, oh, the yeah. or maybe it's just the content. <laughs> I have no idea. I, and I didn't, I had no idea. So um, yeah, I fired them all and I stopped the Google ads and um, everything kept on growing. So, uh, so that was good, but it was getting out of hand for me. And, and it still is. I mean, I'm getting to the point now, even with Pauline and Connor, uh, it's uh, still uh, growing. And we're, we're going to grow probably beyond what they, they can even do. And so now I'm thinking uh, Pauline's going to be the point person that will potentially um, train new virtual assistants and, and new people to bring into this organization. Of course, everything's like virtual these days, right? Right. And uh, so that's pretty cool. And, and that's working. Uh, and then a, uh, a group called me up and they liked my service. And they said that we've got, we, we do a special thing. We find people that we like, that we think have potential and we'll invest in your company. We want to create uh, a marketing funnel for you. We'll, it'll all be on our dime and we'll do everything. You just have to provide content. We'll write the scripts and everything, and you do the videos, and then we'll start marketing it and, and then be 100% in line with your business. And, uh, and then when the revenue comes in, we'll split it. I thought, sounds good to me. And they, and they were talking about spending big advertising dollars in the end. In the beginning, it would be slow and, and then ramped up. Now, I don't yeah. know how you go about f finding somebody like this. They found me. Uh, and, and so that's been kind of, I think uh, it, it, they haven't, they're not fully engaged yet. We're just starting to get, and we have some people that are coming in, uh, mm -hmm. but, um, we'll find out to see how that works, but they're talking about spending, getting this spend up to like $5,000 a day. And for a little guy, I mean, that's a lot of money. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's, wow. you know, if we're see right now. I, uh, at any one time, I have um, about 100 trial members at any, at any moment in time. And that's a big up from just one year ago when I was averaging around 30, 35. But with their efforts, um, I think that's going to bring, it's going to amp that up to like 30 to 50 a day, new trial, new trial members, right? And then in, instead of 100 at a time, I might have 500 at a time. You know, how am I going to handle that? So that's the big thing I'm oh worried my gosh. about. Right? But, the, but that is, you know what, that is so excited. I, exciting. I'm excited for you. I truly hope that you get to 500, 600 members a day. You'll handle it. No problem. I, <laughs> well, it's all, it's all execution. And see, the big thing right now that we're trying to do, and this is the biggest challenge, is to try to get everything working smoothly and then uh, automate as much as you possibly can. And then every time we automate something, then it, you know, we save another hour a day or another two hours. And uh, so that, that was the first step. I, and, and that involves uh, investment. So you have to invest in um, developers. So I found mm -hmm. some good developers and uh, 
we work well together. And of course, you know, me having the technical background makes it very easy for me to uh, to work with developers. Now, I would imagine uh, someone who does isn't you know as technically adept that would be a, a, a huge um, hurdle to get over. But um, I mean, I knew exactly what to create and I designed it and just have them execute it or find somebody that has a very specific uh, knowledge on how to do it. So for instance, I'm on Discord as my main, um, that's my main trade room. It's, are you familiar with Discord? Yes. Yeah, so the service is run on Discord and then I have my website, but there was no way to bring in people on my website and then have them automatically join to Discord. So I had to create the I had to create the mechanism that when they go into my WordPress website with my WooCommerce shopping cart, um, mm -hmm. that they buy the product and then they have a button there, which I create or my developer created. They click that, it hooks up with Discord and automatically creates an account on Discord for them with all the appropriate roles. That doesn't exist. Oh, okay. I'm the only person that has that right now. I'm thinking maybe I can even market that as a potential product. But uh, we created that. And that's Well, that saved me almost two hours a day because I was doing all of that onboarding all manually. Right. And so, um, I mean, I haven't even touched on the podcast stuff. And I know that this is all about, you know, what are, what are my difficulties with the podcast? The podcast is far. Now, I podcast two different ways, by the way. I, yeah, I was actually, you know what, go ahead and go for it. Because I was going to lead it. My next question was going to be about the podcast <laughs> anyway. So you might as well keep going. <laughs> well, well, yeah, before I get to that, there's the, um, I'm still doing other types of development. So I'm creating new products that are supporting the, uh, uh, the teachings that we do in, in the service itself, the coaching service. So traders need ways to um, log their trades and then journal them. And then uh, also create what's called a playbook so that they can go and periodically review all their, their trades in their process. So I'm having my developer right now develop that, and he's supposed to deliver that sometime in May. So that's going to be another big um, value add to, you know, to the business. The, um, the podcast, I have, uh, I have um, Libsyn as my primary place where I, I deposit my podcast, and then it uh, then gets spread out to all these different places like Amazon Music and Spotify and Apple uh, Podcasts. Mm -hmm. So when I put something there, then it just gets distributed. And uh, that does pretty good, but it's not it's not huge. Uh, I, I would say uh, that uh, account, you know, when I'm and I haven't been very good at, you know, being consistent with that. When it was going well, I was doing probably a thousand a week or something like that. And um, then YouTube came out with uh, their concept of podcast. And so I started doing live streams on YouTube. And so I'm doing a podcast there. And, and that's generating about uh, 27,000 uh, views a month, something like that. So it's not bad. It's not yeah, bad. That's, actually, that's pretty good. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's growing at a pretty good rate. I'm getting... Um, I'm averaging about four to 500 uh, new subscribers a month. Um, and that's increased dramatically over the past uh, couple of months because I, I, for the longest time, I was only doing about 100 a month. And then in the, just in the past couple of months, it's gone to 200, then 300, now to 400. And so uh, I'm, I'm hoping that that growth continues and, and uh, it gets bigger and bigger. So I, I yeah. seem to be 
I don't know if, if you've ever done a business, uh, I've done several businesses. And so I understand the trajectory. Uh, you have to really put in your, uh, your dues and you go, you go flat for a long, long time. And then just with slight increases here and there and some successes and failures, then all of a sudden you get to a point where you start to get on the, the dog leg, you know, and you start curving up. I'm, I'm right there on that curve up. Mm-hmm. I and, totally agree. Yeah. So, yeah. So now my, my, uh, my next be- biggest uh, challenge is to handle that. Once that curve starts taking off, that's going to be another skyrockets. <laughs> well, you know, how do you, how do you keep on delivering the content? And I think what I'm going to have to do is uh, hire a, um, a producer, like a podcast producer and someone that can just produce all the stuff. Because besides all that, I also do live streams for uh, for my audience, my uh, customers every day. We do not a live stream, but it's really like a daily meeting. And that that has to be processed and transcribed and and then uh, archived so that they can have access to it. The biggest problem there is extracting everything and and then divvying it up, you know, dividing it up into topical matter that can then be searched. Because if you just put like a daily stuff out there that's just content rich with all this stuff it's hard for anybody to find exactly what they're looking for so yeah. i need somebody that can chop it all up and then repackage it and it's the same way with the podcasts so uh those those are my my biggest challenges is how do i and i have so much content because i do these dailies and and i've been doing like a daily podcast on youtube connor right now is taking that daily podcast on youtube and then packaging each podcast up into like three separate uh, additional videos that have that are very targeted on, on what they say and, you know, really condensing them down so they're really content rich. And mm-hmm. so people can listen to like two or three minutes and it's, you know, which would have been, if you expanded it out, probably would have been 20 minutes of me talking down to about two or three minutes. And so they get everything that they need really quickly and well packaged and with the intros and outros, and it looks very professional. So very uh, interesting, but <laughs> thank you for sharing all of those challenges. I, I always love when business owners go into exactly what is wrong, what they're doing and what they're doing to try to fix it without, you know, being vague and, you know, beating around the bush. So I really appreciate the transparency and I'm sure that it helped somebody and gave somebody some inspiration for what they should do next. Oh, it's my but pleasure. I'm excited to watch this exponential growth. <laughs> yeah. God willing, uh, I, it keeps going this way. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little nervous, but uh, I'm confident that, you know, that we'll do it. It's just, uh, it's it's always tough when you have something big in front of you and it's, it's a total unknown and you haven't been there before. Like, oh, fuck. The interest, well, the interesting thing is that I've I've run very large businesses. I mean, when I was at Sun, I had about, literally thousands of people under me, you know, but yeah. uh, that's very different than starting something from scratch and on your own. Uh, and uh, I think that in a lot of ways, doing it on your own is more challenging. Oh, absolutely. Starting from nothing. Absolutely. And it up. Yeah. All right, Ernie, we, we ran out of time a while ago, but <laughs> thank you so <laughs> much for coming you. on the show. No, you're fine. You're fine. Everything you said was super, super beneficial. So I appreciate you coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. I really it enjoyed a- myself. I'm glad. I'm glad. It was a pleasure to have you. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur and would like to come on the show, please visit top100interview.com. Thank you. 
Hey everyone, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you wanna listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually wanna interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.